is uh, foundationally important, that as we continue to explore and pursue what it means to, to live into the high life in, uh, in Christ, that we know that the foundation, the very possibility, even the power to live into that high life comes from Christ. It comes from His grace, His mercy, His sacrificial death for us, and the power of His resurrection alive in us. It is what He does in us. And it is um, a, a joy to know that He knows how far the East is from the West. And it's that far that He has separated our sin, our evil, our guilt from us. And He has accomplished that and made that real in us so that we might live into the high life. We might live into the life as seeking to live the life that we know we will live with Christ one day in heaven. I have a friend who uh, um, says, you know, everybody is dying to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. And it really is, as we look at our passage today, that what it means to live into the high life is to learn to die with Christ. I mean, we want that high life. We want the, the heavenly life now of purpose and meaning and joy and, and peace and life with God and no tears and illness, death or, or evil. But in order... We'll see in our passages, we hear from, from Jesus regularly, to live into that life, it means we die. We die to the ways of the world. We die to our own uh, selfishness within us, the evil that's within us. It's a, a spiritual death to self and the world so that we can live in the fullness of Christ and in the power of His resurrection. That's the high life. But it, it entails, I mean, we use such stark language as, as death and life. I mean, that's sort of morbid, isn't it? I mean, why use that language? Why does Paul use it? Why does Jesus use it? It's because that to follow Christ, to be into Christ, is an all-life deal. It's not that our life is like soup and it's a little bland, so we add a little Jesus like we add Tabasco sauce or something. Yeah, it's, it's an all-life thing. It's not just that Jesus sort of spices it up. It's not that, that we pursue and, and follow after and seek the American dream and, and then sort of ask Jesus to bless it. To, to pursue the high life, as we see in our passage today, Paul will tell us it means we give our whole lives to Him. That we pursue His dreams. That we bring in alignment our dreams to His dreams. Because He is all and in all. We can't live the high life in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ in our spare time. It is a whole life pursuit. 
Well, how do we do that? What, is, what does Paul mean when he says we, we die to self, we die to the world, and we're raised to new life um, in Christ? That we, we die with Christ and we're raised with Christ? Well, that's our passage today in Colossians chapter 3 um, highlights that. I uh, invite you to turn there. It's page 957, chapter 3, verse 1 of, uh, of Colossians. I'm going to, let's, let's read that together. It's our memory verse for the last two weeks, Colossians um, 1, 1 through 4. And we'll say that um, together. And uh, um, before we do that, let's pray. Uh, gracious God, we thank you for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of the, the, the whole life endeavor, of uh, the journey of, of living into the high life that you have for us. Living according to the, the ways of heaven today. Living with you today. Um, speak to us uh, as we read through your word. Show us the ways that, that we um, are on track with you and, and encourage us. And show us the ways that we, we miss you. And teach us. Point us. In the ways that, so that we might live our whole life, all that we are, in the fullness of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Let's uh, say the first four verses um, together. So, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. That's uh, good for now. We'll, we'll pick up the rest in a minute. But just from these uh, four verses, what we've been um, uh, thinking about the last two weeks is, is to see the, the fullness of our life in Christ. I mean, even in these uh, passages, you see the past, the present, and the future. The, the, the pattern here, uh, going through a chronology, that we have died with Christ and we've been raised with Christ, Paul tells us. That we are connected to Him. We are in Him and with Him in His death as we die to the ways of the world, and in His resurrection, as we are raised into the ways of Christ. We presently are hidden with Christ in God, he tells us. Protected. We are in Him never to be taken out by anyone else. We are hidden, protected in Him. And in the future, one day, when Christ is revealed, then we who are in Him will be revealed with Him in glory. That's, that, that is the plan for our life. That is the trajectory of our direction in life. From dying, being raised to new life, now hidden with Christ, leading towards that day where we'll reveal to Him in glory. That's why that truth, that reality, that's why Paul can say that we are holy and blameless and pure and irreproachable because we are in Christ. That's who we are. All with Him and in Him. And because of that, then, 
Because that's, that's the direction of our life. That's the plan that we will have. That's, that's God's path for us. It'll have our own different ways here and there for each one of us. But if we are in Christ, that's the place and the way that we are going. And so because of that, then we seek the high life. We seek that which is above. We seek that, that ultimate end that we will have in glory with Christ. When we, we, we will be revealed with Him and in Him and like Him. We seek that now. And we set our minds on that now. I don't know if you remember um, Noel Boucher. He was here. He was with Pure Hope. He was here a couple weeks ago, months ago. It, uh, I know it was in the last year. Um, but he, he was here, and he gave us a great definition of seek. And uh, um, anybody remember the illustration that he used for the word seek? It's like an animal. What, a dog. Very good. Man, he'll be so pumped that somebody remembered that. I'll be sure to tell him. You know, he said seek. When we have the, that word seek, it's, it's, really, it's like a dog. And if you've been with a dog in a new place, what does that dog do when he gets into a new place? He seeks out who's been there and what's been there. And how does he do it? I know there's something in here. You know, he sniffs it out. You know, he runs from place to place, sniffing the whole way. That's the picture of seek. That's what we are to be, like those dogs sniffing out the signs of heaven in our midst. Everything else is as if it's gone and we're willing to make a fool of ourselves sniffing out heaven. Not just physically, but then in our mind. We set our minds on the things above. What, what we think about, maybe even obsess with, are the ways of Christ. Are the ways of heaven. That's what we seek. That's what we set our minds on. That's what we plan for. That's what we live for. That's what we're studying for. That's what we're working on. The ways of heaven. Consider with me in your own life, what are some of the things you study for and work for, that you, you sniff out, that you, that you seek? What are those things, the things you're setting your mind upon? It might be a, a career path of some kind. Oh, and, and you're seeking that out, and you do that because you're, you're in school, and then you, you set your plan of where you're going to go with school and as, you, as you make it through the grades, and, and you, you, you accomplish the marks in your classes, and, and so that you can finish with high school and then on to college, and then if further schooling or all the rest, and you're, you're setting your mind on that goal. And you want the money that it brings, or the prestige, or the, or the, the, the fun, or, or all that it might bring for you. You want those things, so you set your mind upon that. And that's alright. Not a bad thing. Unless that is what you seek. Above and beyond all else. And as you're pursuing your, your career, the things that it brings, are they of the earth that you're seeking or are they of heaven? 
Now, don't worry. I'm not here going to say, well, therefore, if we're seeking heaven and you seek your career, that everyone should be like me or David Wise, that uh, skier, and become a pastor. That's the farthest uh, from my desire. Because I don't think that's what God has in store for us. And it's not that, therefore, we seek God instead of seeking a career. As we're pursuing how God has gifted and led and is going to provide for us down the career, how does that fit into how we are seeking God? How we are seeking above? How we are seeking the ways of Jesus? I believe every one of us has been gifted and and has a a, a particular plan that God has laid out for us to live into the the work of our hands throughout our days that are in alignment with this trajectory of dying and rising with Christ, being hidden in Him as we head to the glory above. It's not just something we, we, we do in order to make ends meet, but a calling. For God upon us. But we have to be really careful because often those kind of goals, those kind of pursuits can take the place of seeking what is above. Instead of falling into our trajectory of seeking what is above. For some it may not be career, it may be retirement. Now you're, you're planning, you're studying, you're seeking, you're, you're getting things in line for your retirement. And that's, that's great. I hope you hurry. I hope that works out really well. And you pull the resources together so that you can retire quickly. And that you can retire with the resources necessary so that then all of your time can be spent in what God is wanting you to do in the work of the church. Yeah, I'm pumped. Pumped about that. I don't mean church formally, but I mean the church as the group of God's uh, followers who are carrying out God's purposes. And and you won't have to spend the, the time in that other level of work. That is good stuff, but you'll be released from those responsibilities to give yourself fully. I mean, isn't that right? Now it's on the first of your financial planners list when you're saying this is what retirement is so that you are now fully able to give fully to the direction and the essence and the specific work of my people in your place where you live. Or maybe this one, really, it's close to home for me, is a parent. You know, I, we can, as a parent with my children, we can focus on grades, focus on extracurricular stuff, on college, making the grades there. What are you going to do after that? And we can spend a whole lot of time focusing on those things, and that's good. But is that equal to the energy of seeking and focusing on raising up my children in the way of Christ? Do we spend as much time and energy focusing vocab, memorizing vocab words as we do memorizing Scripture? To put it bluntly. We seek and set our minds on Christ. 
and, and all of these other things that, that are responsibilities and privileges that, that we have, these other things that we seek and pursue, they are to fall in line with this greatest pursuit, with this eternal trajectory of seeking that which is above, of setting our minds on the one who is above. We die with Christ to the things of this world and we live for Christ. We live in Christ into the high life now. How does that, what does that look like? You know, what does that mean a little more specifically? Well, let's, let's jump into the rest of the passage. Start with uh, verse 5. And we'll, we'll read the rest of this, this uh, uh, paragraph through verse 11. Then we put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly. Right? The therefore, wherever there's a therefore, you want to know what's it there for. You know, the, it's always saying, because what is true, is, we just said is true, that, that we have died with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, we're hidden in Christ, we're, we're seeking that which is above. Because that, therefore, because that's true, therefore we put to death whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its Creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. So hang out then with what Paul said. This is what we die to. These are, these are the ways that we, we die uh, to Christ, that we, we take off the old way of doing things. We take off the old clothes and we, we put on the new. We... we we put, because Christ has died and we die with Him, then we put to death these ways that are in opposition to the life of Christ. Uh, so look at the, the first um, uh, list uh, that he gives us. And notice how he moves from the, the physical, uh, the, what we do to what we think, um, what we desire. You know, so fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire. You know, he, he moves from the... the uh, um, uh, that which is external to that which is internal. Fornication is when you have sex with somebody with whom is not your spouse. That's what fornication is. And, but then he goes beyond that to talk about impurity, acting impurely. Then he talks about your own evil passions and desires that are within you. I mean, Jesus does the same thing. He, 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 in Matthew 5, he says, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, which is another way of saying uh, fornication. Don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even lust for a woman. Because if you've lust with a woman in your, um, in your heart, then you've committed adultery with her in her heart. In your heart already. He goes from the actions, the outer person to the inner person. And we're, we're putting those ways uh, to death. And then he, he deals with sex, and then he throws one in the end there and throw, deals with money. 
Those are the, the big ones. And, and greed. Where we, we long for those things that we want. We want more and more and more. I mean, this, you, you see how this is um, unbounded personal desire. Yeah, that's what he's, he's getting at. And he's getting at the two things that we even know today. This is what sells, right? I mean, I don't know how it works, but somehow a woman in a bikini is selling um, shingles for a roof. Have you seen that commercial? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how that makes that connection. But they know, and Paul knew then, you know, I mean, it's just sex is what sells. It's, it's that unbridled desire that we're told, now feed those desires. And Paul's saying, no, put them to death. Don't let these desires take over. And I, I think that relates to the second list as well. You also you put those off those ways. And that was radical because in Paul's day, no different than ours. I mean, it was very prominent in Colossians that, that this was just accepted behavior to let your own personal desires just go, run rampant. I mean, in Colossians, it even made a religion out of it. Even had in their pagan religious rituals, had prostitutes and, and harlots and how they were part of the, the religion. So Paul's saying, listen, you've got to go against the grain here. This is not the way of Christ. And then the, the second list in verse 8. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. And this one, he sort of goes the opposite direction. He goes from inside to outside. You know, he goes from anger, wrath, to then abusive language and lying. Uh, from what, what you, you feel on the inside to then what you say um, uh, to others. Yeah, and that's because those are not found in Christ. And most often... The only time that you see Jesus angry is when he was at church. And he got mad at the people at church because they were getting in the way of people encountering God when they gathered at church. If you want to get mad at something, get mad at that. You know, that, that, that we as, as church, we have so many hang-ups and hiccups that we get in the way of people who want to know God from knowing God. That's worth getting angry about. But other than that, you don't see that in Jesus, getting angry about the, those kind of things. Because usually anger, wrath, and malice, and, and speaking evil, and lying to others are, are, are reactions that we have when we don't get what we want. At least when I take a survey of when I get angry, it's usually because I didn't get what I wanted. I love a quote from Thomas Akempis. He was a Christian a long, long time ago. He wrote a little book called The Imitation of Christ. And he says, if God were our one and only desire, we would not be so easily upset when our opinions do not find outside acceptance. If God were our one and only desire, we would not be so easily upset when our opinions do not find outside acceptance. So, to, in a sense, I mean, he... Paul hits the, the big ones, sex, money, and when we don't get what we want. And the, the anger and the hate and the filth and the lies that can overwhelm us and control us. Those are the things that we put off because those are not the way of Christ. So we, we, we put them to the side. We let those die with 
Christ. And we, then in verse 10, are being made new again. It's this progressive conformity to the image of God. We are being made new according to the image of our Creator. Again, that trajectory of that day when we are glorified, when we are with Christ, and we are like Him. And we are on that journey today. So we put off the ways of the world that Christ destroys in us. And even at the end here, Paul speaks of those being so destroyed that it destroys even that Christ so much overtakes us uh, so much is uh, our identity is so much in Christ that every other identifying element is gone. That's why he says in Christ, in this renewal in Christ, that we're, they're no longer Greeks or Jews or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. That's, that's how powerful is his death and our unity with him in his death. That those things the world says makes us different and distinguishes us and causes us to to see those differences in Christ. Those things are overwhelmed. They're overtaken. That's why we pray so regularly that we connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. So that's putting off the ways of the world, dying, letting those die with Christ. And then verse 12, he says, now this is what we put on. Uh, So let's uh, uh, read that. We'll start uh, with verse 12, which is in the middle of the the, uh, slide. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience. Well, let's keep going. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Uh, we'll stop there now. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll, we'll get to that. This then is what we put on. And, and, yeah, and this, this list of being conformed into the, the image of Christ is the, it's the way of Christ. This is what is desired. This is the direction that we're going. That we, we live into compassion and kindness and gentleness, humility and patience. That's the character of Christ. The character of God. One thing I want you to to note that the word compassion here is the word for bowels. Sort of odd for our perspective, but from the first century, that's it means it's what you felt in the gut, in a way that we would say it. it. But our emotions, our compassion, our empathy, the belief in the first century was that they resided in our bowels. That was what we, we felt. And so that compassion and empathy and humility came from there. We usually think about that as the heart. Um, we think about emotion from the heart and empathy as the heart. That, that wasn't in the first century. The heart, actually, in the first century was the place of the will, the place where decisions are made, which we'll speak to in just, just a moment. 
but that's, that's sort of free. But uh, interesting to note that, especially when we read the heart in the um, New Testament. We can so quickly think of the heart as the place of emotion, when really, first century reader would think it as the place of our, our will, our volition. All right, so it gives us the, the character of Christ, that we're to put on. And the more we hang out with Christ, the more uh, we are acting like Him. And then verse 13, that we put up um, with one another. That we, we bear with one another. If we have a complaint against another. I mean, church hadn't been around for a, a full generation yet and Paul knew, yeah, we've got to deal with this. And part of it comes from the church where all the differences that divided people are now in Christ. Those are rendered unimportant. And so the church comes together with a bunch of different people from a bunch of different backgrounds, even different languages and all these other preferences and stuff. Paul says, well, that, that is what the church is. That's how powerful Christ is. And so now you've got to learn to bear with one another. You're going to have complaints against one another. And you've got to learn to live through that. Matter of fact, you're going to hurt one another. And you're going to have to learn to forgive one another. Just like Christ forgave you. And the great word there, and in terms of forgive, is the word grace. He says, now you with one another, you're going to grace one another. You're going to endure and bear one another. Just like Christ graced you and forgave you and was beaten for you and was betrayed for you and was hung on a cross for you. That's the forgiveness that you will grant, you will live into, that you will put on with one another. And love is the, the highest uh, the highest goal, the highest achievement. That's the gold medal for those that are following Christ, those that are putting on Christ. They are giving themselves to one another. I mean, in, in Christian love, where you, you pursue what is best for another without regard to personal consequence. That's, that's the, the love and then the, the, the movement then to perfect harmony. You know, right there it says, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That word there, perfect harmony, is actually the same word for, um, that means maturity. It says you clothe yourselves with love. That's going to bind you together and you're going to mature together. You're, you're going to be following that pathway and trajectory into the glory of God as you bind yourself with love. So many of you are familiar. Teleos is the Greek word that's used there for harmony. So we put off the old. We, put on, we take off the stuff of this world that is not of Christ. We put on the stuff that is of Christ. And, and we're on this journey. And here, have a little fun with this. These last couple verses are the elements necessary for the journey. And we'll start in the end of the third line here. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, 
Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This now, the, the journey. On this journey, these are the necessary things. Verse 15 first. Let the peace of Christ then rule in your hearts. Remember I said hearts are the place of your volition, not your emotion. So it's not you've got to feel peaceful. It's you've got to act for what carries out the peace of Christ. And the, the decisions. And, and actually the, wor- the word here for rule is the word for like umpire. The, the, like the, the, the word for here are the, the rules you've got to follow. This is the rule. You, this is what tells you what's illegal and what's not illegal. This is what tells you, you know, what, if, if you're safe or out is by making decisions according to well, what promotes and carries out the peace of Christ. That guides our decisions. For a journey, for this metaphor of going on a journey, this is like the speed limit. The speed limit is a thing when you're going down the road and you see a number and it tells you how fast you're supposed to go. For those that don't know uh, that. And you're supposed to, uh, for, for many of us, it's a suggestion. You know, or uh, um, uh, something. But the speed limit is the number where we're not supposed to go beyond. You know, it gives us the limit. And the peace of Christ is like the speed limit in that way. And the decisions that we make, what will be in alignment with the peace of Christ? So that's, that's the speed limit. And notice also, he throws this in all the time. And be thankful. And be thankful. Yeah, that's, that, that's key, but it doesn't fit into the metaphor very well, unless you can come up with it. But just know, he just keeps throwing it in. You see it over and over again. All right, so the peace of Christ then rules in our decisions. So that's the speed limit. Then next is the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell richly. The next verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the fuel. Let the, the Word of Christ dwell. That's why we've been memorizing passages. That's why in the next series as we go through Exodus, we're going to read through the book of Exodus during uh, our Lenten season. This is the fuel that feeds us. If you find yourself on this journey running out of energy or sputtering along, ask yourself, am I, do I need to go to the filling station? Am I putting the right fuel in the tank? Am I memorizing Scripture as much as I'm memorizing vocab words? Is that what is filling us? Is that what is fueling us? This is the fuel, the words that are of Christ, that are about Christ, that speak to us of the ways of Christ. Then teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Catch that? Teach and admonish one another. Have spiritual relationships with others who will be guiding you, directing you, agreeing with you, disagreeing with you. We're teaching and admonishing one another. This is, in a sense, we're to be the GPS for one another. We're to be a living map for one another on this journey where we we encourage one another, keep one another going, and we challenge one another and say, you're headed towards a curve. At 100 miles an hour, good, there's no good thing that's going to happen. Slow down or stop. And we, we are to do that one another. That's sort of a weakness in the church. For us, and I think the church at large, 
that we have those kind of spiritual relationships um, with one another. It's why we have like the listening class and uh, speaking the truth in love so that we gain the skills and learn how to do that. While we have uh, the, uh, in the middle hour classes where we gather around the word of Christ together to challenge and encourage one another. And now, so you got your own, you got the speed limit, you got the GPS, you got the fuel. You know what do you what do you need now on the journey? The radio, right? Need the radio. Here's your song. Again, with gratitude, it gets that in. With gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Key words there: gratitude. And God, when we, when we gather and we sing together, this is to be what it is. You know, whether it's psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, you know, that doesn't really matter. The question is, are we singing them with gratitude to God? After we, we gather together, the one question we should ask after singing a song, did that lead me, did I choose to sing that song with gratitude to God. That's why we sing. That's the radio. That's the music for the journey. All right, the, the ushers are going to distribute to you our final um, uh, memory verse for uh, these last two weeks as we're uh, walking through uh, um, Colossians. And it's this, uh, a chunk of this last piece, then, of uh, this journey of the high life, of uh, living um, in Christ. And as you, you get those, keep those, let that be part of the fuel for, for the week. Um, I, I've found, I've, I've got into the habit of, of doing of when, right when I wake up, so that my, my first fuel for the day is to take the passage and let that be what's on my mind. And then also right when I go to bed, to let that be uh, the passage on my mind. And then the, uh, and you know, you can uh, feel sorry for Nate later. But, and then with Nate, every time when he walks out the door on the, the morning, then we get that out. And that's the, the passage um, that sometimes he's shouting it to me as he's walking to the carpool. Um, but a way for us, you know, to, to do that um, together in a simple way to be our fuel on this journey. This is what we need for the journey of the high life, of seeking the things that are above, putting off the things of this world, putting on the ways um, of Christ. Let's, uh, in closing, let's say, say this um, uh, together. Starting with verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen.